Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go! Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and once again, back is the incredible... Mike Sutherland. Hey. So you did that slow build. You know, you didn't just immediately say your name. You let the anticipation just grow. Anticipation. And then you just hit us right in the face. Yes. (laughs) All right. This is our Free Fire uh, episode. We're going to talk about that fine film from Cinescape Movie Reviews. We're also going to be talking about our our picks of the week. Pick of the week. Our flick of the week. Uh, We're going to be talking about... uh, Mine is going to be Midnight uh, Meat Train. No, we're talking about We Love Movies. I was going to say that for uh, the... the This is Free Fire, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't we... It's up to you, I guess. I don't care. That was the plan, but whatever. <laughs> All right. You know what? Fuck it. All right. Yeah, we're going to do the independent film, uh, We Make Movies. Okay. All right. So Mike and I both saw it. We're going to talk about that film, and then <laughs> he can edit out the uh, Midnight Meat Train. Uh, well, we'll coming. do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a second podcast coming up because we got to catch up. So there'll be two movie review podcasts this week. You yes. Know. So Midnight Meat Train will be on the other one. Yeah. So we'll talk about those fine piece of cinematic engineering and whatever else pops into our pretty little heads. All that more, take it away. Johnny. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Alright, so this week we went and saw the film Free Fire. Um, it is, of course, directed by Mr. Ben Wheatley. Uh, I f- looked up his bio in the past. The guy is uh, apparently he's uh, fairly talented at what he does with his uh, with his all of his Britishness. Mm, Britishness. <laughs> Yes, I think you can package that up and sell it. Maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. smoke it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think about that, fancy pants? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, he did a movie in 2015 called High Rise that had uh, Mr. Tom Hiddleston in it. Right. Um, a highly acclaimed uh, film called uh, Sightseers from 2012. I also directed a segment of, uh, of a, one of those straight-to-video movies called ABCs of Death. So, yes, anyway, Mr. Wheatley has directed this fine fair, which uh, looks like uh, this is the first film that's marketed over here. Well, even though the marketing was pretty low. Um, Like, I mean, it popped in and out of theaters really quick. Uh, But this this movie, is if this is an indicator of what he can do over here, you know, get brought over here, then I'm all for him as a director. Because if you can turn a movie where the whole thing is set in one location, and I know, sure, there's every, every once in a while they'll film outside or they'll film in another room, but the like 95% of the, the movie is in one spot, and you can make it interesting, which is, I mean, it's like Mad Max, Fury Road, right? You turn a two-hour car chase into an Oscar contender, you know? That's good directing. That's good everything, right? Right. Well, this movie is a, this is a this is a ninety minute shootout, and you know what? <laughs> Majority of the time, shootouts not going to you know be very interesting after that much you know has gone by. But this with this movie, no, it, it's so well put together that you can you he sold me on it. Pretty much, that's it. He sold me on the fact that they could do a ninety minute freaking shootout. Hmm. Well, okay then. Now, now, what stood out um, with this movie t- um, more than anything else? The plot. I mean, l- look, I 
I've had a while to think about this movie. Uh. But the one thing that kept coming to my back to my mind was this is basically a future version of the Hateful Eight. Because <laughs> there's pretty much not a single desirable person. Involved. No, this is just a remake of the Hateful Eight, set in the seventies. Okay, yeah. think about it. Like a like a Hateful Eight meets Reservoir Dogs. No, the Hateful Eight. You're just gonna keep saying it. <laughs> I don't have to explain it any more than that. You, you sure he did? Why he did? Why? No, no, America. <laughs> why? America. Why? Why? If I say something, you would say this plus this. Yeah. No, when I say the Hateful Eight, I don't mean the Hateful Eight and the Reservoir Dogs. I mean the Hateful Eight. Okay. All right. Think about it. F- how many were there? Four, five, six. Six that show up, right? Mm-hmm. How many show up at the beginning of Hateful Eight? You have Kurt Russell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Samuel L. Jackson. Walton Goggins. Walton, Obi. So that's five. Okay. Mm. In this one, you have you have the two dudes from whatever, <laughs> from from the motorhome. Yeah. Right. The two junkies. Yep. And then you have the guys from um, the car, which is which is the girl. Uh, Brie Larson's character. Right. Um, the guy from Dark Knight. Oh, you talking about uh, Cillian Murphy? Yeah. And yeah, then you had uh, then the uncle, the old guy. Yeah. It was uh, God damn it. Uh, he Doesn't was. Doesn't matter. It's, it's oh, the Michael, old guy. Michael Michael Smiley. He played Frank. Right. Yeah, he was the uncle. So it was, was it just those three plus the two junkies? Those so, three, the two junkies, uh, Brie Larson, and then all, all of a sudden, Army okay, no, 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 no. You can't go those three plus Brie Larson because I already said Brie Larson. It's either five or six. Were there five or six at the beginning of the movie? Okay, uh, if you count Army Hammer, no. then there'd be six. Five. Then it'd be five. Army Hammer's character is the same as Spanish Bob, mm-hmm. who comes out to greet them, right? Yeah. Okay. You have the Hateful Eight beginning right there. And then he takes him inside. They close the doors. It's a shitty little hole, right? Mm-hmm. And then you basically have the whole entire plot, which is the bad guys versus the bad guys, uh-huh. which is Charlotte Copley's people versus Brie Larson's people. Because one dude decided to get into a fight with Charlotte Copley's little manhandler guy, mm-hmm. you know, the porter or whatever you want to call him, um, it, you know, it, at a bar fight because he did something to his sister. But nobody knows exactly what he did to his sister. Yeah. It's just she ended up in the hospital. Uh-huh. But he's but um, Brie Larson's little junkie convict dude yeah. is the one to blame, which he's he's um, steve yeah, Steve-O, who is the old guy, Michael, whatever his name is. He's the Irish mob dude or whatever the hell he is. Yeah, his like, <clears throat> nephew or something. Yeah, it's his it's niece's nephew. boyfriend. Yeah. And he's and he's a heroin addict. He's a piece of shit. Mm. Anyways, you and then you have this entire, you have this tension throughout the beginning of the movie because Charlotte Copley is the fucking, he's the worst. He's the mouthpiece. Yeah, he is... He is a racist douchebag. Yeah. You know. Sexist. Yeah. And he he just thinks he's right all the time. Yeah. Sound familiar? Because <laughs> I'm not racist. No, that's not true. Um, I kid. But not really. So you have Charlotte Copley. with you. I make a funny. You have Charlotte Copley, who is basically running this deal. Army Hammer, who is his... Is is the middleman of the... He's the negotiator dude. He's the one that brought these two parties together, basically. Yeah. And then you have Brie Larson and whoever, right? Yeah. And she's also like a mediator kind of person. Yeah. Brie Larson is the Jennifer Jason Lee character uh-huh. with few exceptions. And it only occurred to me after after watching Hateful Eight. I mean, I just had it on. And then I went to bed and I'm like, holy shit. Free Fire is Hateful Eight 100 years later. <laughs> it's the same exact premise. The only difference is instead of one stagecoach showing up there's two and there's an arms deal mm-hmm. in in the the difference between hateful eight and this one is they were they were going after you know the the bad guys which included uh spanish bob and and uh, why can't i remember anybody's name 
<laughs> just fucking watch this movie. Uh, the dude from Pulp Fiction. Are you talking about Tim Roth? Yes. Couldn't even think of his name. English Bob. Yeah, Michael Madsen, Tim Roth, um, and uh, oh god, why am I having such a problem remembering the dude from Twenty One Jump Street's name? Richard Grieco. Yeah, Richard Grieco, <laughs> who was in fucking <laughs> Hateful Eight. Let's see. There was Stephen Williams. There was Johnny Depp. There was uh, he was in Hateful Eight, Joe. He was also in Twenty One Jump Street. Oh wait, are you talking about the movie Magic Mike? No, I'm not talking about the oh, movie. Oh, Channing Tatum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, we're both just fucking out of it. I, I was think, dude, when I when I hear Twenty One Jump Street, I always think of this show first because I grew up watching it. <laughs> Fuck you. I make a fucking movie reference, and and you immediately jump to TV. He was in Hateful Eight and Twenty One Jump Street. Eh, it doesn't matter. I forgot about Channing Tatum being Hateful Eight. I, I, I know. I haven't seen that movie since we saw it in theaters. So, so yeah, the, the only difference is is that those guys are there to get Jennifer Jason Lee, right? Yeah, but. It still ends up in a shootout. Mm -hmm. It still ends up with one party against the other party, you know, the the captors versus the 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 bandits. Mm. And you have one guy that is the moderator of them both, which is Samuel L. Jackson or Army Hammer, yeah. right? And then it goes from there. So, <clears throat> and at the end, um, with the except Jennifer Jason Lee dies. Yeah. But Samuel L. Jackson and Walton Goggins. We don't know if they survive or not. Even but though they're it, pretty fucked up. But it's cold, so their their wounds are going to not bleed as much. Yeah. Plus they have they, they have the ability to wrap themselves. Yeah, it ends like John Carpenter's the thing. Correct. This one kinda ends the same way with Cillian Murphy and Army Hammer ha holding on to each other, yeah. injured as shit, right? And trying to leave. Yeah. And then he gets yeah. Um do you know that uh, in when I read the plot synopsis, when I wrote the review for Free Fire, it was uh, at the end where it says that she, you know, she shoots them both. Uh huh. It said that she accidentally shot Cillian Murphy's character while she was trying to hit Army Hammers. Okay. I don't know if that's true or not. That's the thing. That's the weird part about it. Like, because to me, I just figured I, I I saw it as she killed them both because you know just just end this shit right. Did she kill them both? Oh, she definitely killed them both. Because um, <coughs> she, you know, Ar Army Hammer got hit in the head. Oh, I thought she. I thought they were still alive. No, well, no, no. Cillian, My fault. Cillian Murphy was by. He was dying, but uh, I think it was just assumed that he was going to die because he was like pretty much saying her goodbyes to her, like a little regretful. Oh, I wish we would have been able to do some blah blah blah, you know, kind of thing. And then she didn't seem like she didn't seem like super rem very remorseful about it. Like it was more like a, eh, say la vie, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. So well, at, and then she turned around. And she had that look on her face, like, yeah, you know, what do I do? But the lights were all red. They weren't red and blue, and they're and the, it's set in Boston, right? Now, did Boston police cars have red and blue back then, or did they only have red? Um, you know, um, cop lights. Uh, no, they were blue and red. Okay, see, and then so you knew, but then, those were the, yeah. The, well, I'm sorry. It was a f because there was a fire. Yeah. So those were fire engines. Yeah, because so she could have just said, "Oh, you know, my boyfriend, blah blah blah." Yeah. Right. Well, because the funny part is when I read the synopsis in IMDb, and also I think on Wikipedia, it was pretty much it was the assumption uh, at the end of it was that it was the cops that showed up, right? But it's not. The, the, the fucking lights were red. So anyway, I wonder how many people noticed that shit when they saw the movie. I don't know. So. Anyway, um, this what, what keeps this movie going is it, the sense of humor that it has. It, the the sense of humor keeps every part of this movie going. It, either either you're having some cool action with the shooting out, or with the shootouts, or it, it's just it's pretty much just the dialogue, the constant smartassery that's going back and forth between them all. You know. Uh, and <laughs> Before getting into how much I enjoyed the sound effects editing of the film, um, what I also really loved was I, I love Charlotte Copley. I know there's a lot of people that don't because of uh, so a lot of people don't like a South African accent. They don't like South African. Well, I it's because they're inherently racist. Yeah, apparently. So um, they don't like white South African accents and um, think that Charlotte Copley sounds like shit when he talks. Me, I love his accent and every movie I've seen him in, I fucking loved him in. 
And so when they're having these shootouts, you can just keep hearing him bitch in the background, constantly talking shit. And it, to me, that just keeps me laughing my ass off because I because I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> but also, um, what's good about this movie is it when you give this many characters this much dialogue and they don't ever feel like they're the same, you know, just a standard like one one dimensional type character that anyone could play when each one has their own distinct personality traits. Um, that's really good writing. You know, that that's to make each character stand out on their own. Uh, and then also the more with the, with the sound is the actual sound effects of the movie sound great. They're they're Yeah. You were talking about that with the, uh, the ricochets and yeah, how you could hear the other people in the distance. Yeah. And you can hear it like lower and then all of a sudden the camera would cut to another angle and then it would be closer to the people that were in the background just a second ago. So then the, the sound quality goes up when you, you can hear them better and, and it's just whoever did the editing just I mean they, they did a, just a knockout job if, if someone if look I usually don't notice shit like that and if someone like me noticed it then someone who's you know doing you know handing out nominations for whatever they should notice that shit too because that look this is not a this is not an Oscar winning movie but in a category for sound editing or sound mixing or whatever the fuck they do um, this movie should be up there for it because of it because I, I mean I just noticed the fuck out of it. Um, <laughs> and also, if you're able to play John Denver in a movie and for more than one song, and not make me pull my hair out and run out of the theater screaming, that's also a good uh, good effort there. <laughs> the uh, the idea of using folksy music for the soundtrack, yeah was ingenious it is it's just like when someone whatever the one of the first movies that started using old classical um music um like like okay for example uh when you're watching uh i don't know like uh was it this one of the sinister trailers and all of a sudden tiny tim's tiptoe through the tulips comes on which is really creepy and it makes so it makes the trailer even though the movie isn't that good it makes a trailer creepier and shit Things like that. It's some um, or like uh, what was it? Um, when like say when The Shining ends and it's playing that old like nineteen twenties and thirties. Uh, you know, was it Swing Room? Uh, you know, yeah, big band. music. Yeah, yeah, Swing Band. Yeah, and it just it, it just it, it's it's like this contrast thing. Like you wouldn't expect like this innocent sounding music, and you're putting with something this horrific. It, it the contrast works big time. You put John Denver in this shit. And it's just, it's hilarious because of it, you know. Um, it was weird because um, with everyone, oh look, spoiler alert, but if anyone who, who saw the trailers for this movie knows that, look, at least most of the characters in the movie are going to fucking die, right? Just by the way the trailers look. But right. it, it, this movie doesn't like kill anybody for like the first, what, half of the movie? No one dies. People just keep getting fucked up. They keep getting shot in the legs, you know. Shot in the ass, shot in the arms. So everyone's <laughs> everyone's doing this fucking crawling, crawling and shooting and talking shit at the same time, and it's it's goddamn hilarious. I mean, look, if you saw this in real life, it wouldn't play out this way in any way whatsoever. But on a screen, you know, it just it it's hilarious to see. You know, it <laughs> just screaming and yelling at each other. Crawling. I'm going to fucking get you. Oh, the black guy, Martin. Is that his name? Martin? Yeah, Martin. When he gets shot and the dude walks over, he goes, oh, so that's what a brain looks like. Yeah, that's what brains look like. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just fucking stands up and starts walking around. Yeah. And while people are still shooting. Yeah. You know, he's just fucking walking around machine gunning shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then, you know, and then I've heard of things like that happening before. Not in that situation with a fucking shootout, but... <laughs> But like with someone that got like really fucked up and you thought they were dead and then all of a sudden they jumped up and they lived for a few more minutes before they finally died. You know, like that last adrenaline rush or something. What do they call it? Like the walking dead or something. Yeah, pretty much. You're, you're, you're dead. You just don't fucking know it yet. Yeah. You may not even be dead. It's just because he he got grazed pretty good that doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna die well he 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 did die after that i mean after he walked around after he scared the shit out of everybody by walking back and forth and him shooting at everybody yeah 
And then they found out that he was on the double crossing. He was one of the, you know, planned the double cross. And <laughs> everyone was scared to shit of him like he was a zombie or something. Because who the fuck gets back up after a chunk of their brain gets blown out? That dude. Hmm. Fucking Martin, that's who. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just it, it, it had it where <laughs> Brie Larson's characters going back and forth between the teams, you know? Like, who's on whose side, right? And and then Army Hammer is, is just like, he's, you know, like, fuck it, man. I'm just going to roll a joint and fucking chill out while everyone's fucking trying to kill each other and shit. Uh, yeah, I. this movie, it, it, this is one of those movies where you're just, you're entertained from start to finish. You can't not enjoy this movie, especially, <clears throat> especially Army Hammer. I mean... And I wish he was more like this in The Lone Ranger uh-huh. than he than anything else, because that would have made the movie so much better. Yeah. But in this movie, fantastic. Yeah. Charlotte Culpe, every, everybody was fantastic. Yeah. You know, and the surprising part was I was expecting more Hard Boiled by John Woo. Yeah. Than Hateful Eight, but it it turned this movie had had a minor twist to it when. Everybody was shot and fucked up. Kung Fu fighting? (laughs) Yeah, everyone ever was kung fu fighting. But there was a point in the movie where they hear a telephone ring. And everybody looks at the telephone, Yeah, right? And I I mentioned, I totally (laughs) called it on this one, where I was like, I'll I'll fucking bet you when they pick up the phone, it's going to be a fucking telemarketer. Yeah. Sure as shit, you know, one person gets there and it's a telemarketer. You know, a robocall type of thing. Yeah. And <laughs> and it, it was hilarious. Yeah. But they, the phone was there. That And the twist was to get to the phone to call your buddy, right? Yeah. To get- Call it back up. Yeah. So, and it doesn't matter who it was. So, Charlotte Copley and Allison Brie are both going after the phone, plus yeah. the old dude, you know, Michael, whatever his name is. And it turns into a series of traps- Cutting, you know, breaking through the fucking wall, the gasoline on the girl, the petroleum or whatever it was, yeah. right? the acetone or, and it's setting, setting shit on fire. Yeah. And that's when the fire alarm goes off. Right. Yeah. And nobody is able to call out because the phone gets disconnected. Yep. I'm sorry. Cillian Murphy was able to call out. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah, and this guy gets killed by, um, by, I think Martin or no, no, no. By the fucking junkie. Yeah. Fucking junkie. You know what what was cool about the junkie character was that that's like real life. Yeah. Junkies, they either die really quickly or they fucking linger on forever. Right. And this fucker would not die. He was like a cockroach, man. Yeah. I. Yeah. This movie, uh, it's just, exactly, man. It's just all these stupid little things that, you know, it started becoming in these separate little battles between each, you know, these certain peoples. It even ended up being, uh, what was it? Frank versus uh, Charlotte Copley's character, Vernon. At the end, right. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, yeah, well, the guy the guy shows up to his backup, and then he, you know, you're like, okay, well, he's finally going to kill this junkie, right? And all of a sudden, the, the junkie gets the upper hand on him and fucking kills him, right? You're like, holy or, shit! But the junkie also got you know traumaed, yeah, or trauma, yeah, traumaed, yeah, where he got his head run over by a van, yeah, the, the slow moving vehicle of death, yes. It's just like he can't move. Yeah. Like just fucking roll. My first know? thought was uh, Michael McDonald's character, um, the security guard character from the first Austin Powers. <laughs> Stop! No. <laughs> yeah, and just the van just the keeps fucking rolling, and and he's just sitting there like eh, crunch. Yeah. And then he, as he's dying, he fucking fires. And Army Hammer's like, this guy looks like he got shot through the ass. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just is just fucked up by the end of the movie, and. Yeah, it's just um, the movie does not look. <clears throat> I complain all the time about you know back background for characters and stuff like that, right? There is absolutely no background for anybody in this movie. I mean, I think the farthest back that this movie even goes for any character is the night before when the junkie did something to that guy's fucking you know cousin. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. You know, um, it's it's pretty much assumed that Cillian Murphy's character and and his group is they're from the IRA, right? And they're trying to get they're trying to get guns, right? And <laughs> guns. <laughs> but oh, I'm sorry. Gun, gun. This is also um, what bleeds into uh, Charlotte Copley's character is that 
the if you if you if you're paying attention near the end of the end of the movie before his character goes, he pretty much says or during the you know the end of the negotiation that he goes, oh yeah, I kind of you know I use them for. Uh, I I sold the AR-15s or whatever, or uh, the M-16s. I sold the M-16s to to these other guys for more money. So I said, fuck it, I'll just drop these other ones off on these guys, right? It's like, it was funny how his character was such a prick, an arrogant prick, that he brings the the wrong weapons to, to, to a deal. Right. You know, it's like, look, when you're making illegal deals in, in, in abandoned warehouses... You don't want to just bring the wrong product. You know, if I order cocaine, don't bring me fucking, you know, heroin, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They both, you know, still end up, take someone to the end of a certain kind of journey, but <laughs> that's not the one you want. So <laughs> he's like, oh, this, he, you know what he was? If he was Middle Eastern, he would have been like, buddy, buddy, trust me, buddy. Come on, Habibi. Right, you know, he just keep on like it's okay, it's okay. I'm I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I make this happen for you. Yes, huh? yeah. So and then yeah. So that that was uh, what was cool about every every the way this movie played out. It didn't matter that no one had a background. You know, especially, and you hate that. Yeah, I don't. I normally hate that, but this movie it it really did not matter. The only thing I wish that this movie could have done was I think it could have. Um, could have spent a little more time on the dynamic uh, between Cillian Murphy's character and, and Brie Larson's because there was something there between them, you know. And the movie never it flirted with the idea, but never took anywhere took anywhere with it. Okay, you know, it would have been cool if it like could have done a flashback or something where it, like I don't know maybe they had shown them to like you know being like going on a date or something before this shit happened or right. or something i i don't know just it was something that was interesting and it, it would have been nice if you could have saw more of it uh, <laughs> but but yeah it was uh yeah i look man it, the movie i mean i wish there there could have been maybe something else to go with it but all in all i'm glad i spent my you know my 1175 you know 99 you know, I, I, I was at eleven ninety nine this yeah, time. Now it's eleven ninety nine. Motherfuckers. Alright. Yeah. And yet we still haven't gotten the fucking minimum wage price hike yet. Uh-huh. Yes we have. <laughs> Went up to ten seventy one. I'm talking about cents. I'm talking about the you know, the the fifteen. Uh the fifteen doesn't go into effect for another three years, dude. I know. Alright, so I think I gave Free Fire a seven out of ten. I believe that's what I gave it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, so it's a well done movie, very entertaining. Uh, it it pretty much delivers on what it promises, you know, which is to make you laugh and to entertain you with the action. Right. Uh, I believe the movie holds a current uh, Rotten Tomatoes approval rating of sixty six percent. It's pretty much two out of every three critics like the movie, uh, <clears throat> and that's pretty much on par with with my with uh, what my rating was. Okay. So, um, and good luck trying to find this movie because uh, I think it was only in a semi-wide release the week it came out, and then after that, I'm pretty sure that you're, it's going to be way more difficult to find it. Right. <coughs> God, I hate having that dry tickle in the back of your throat. All right. So, anyway, um, what would you you said you give it about a seven too? Yes, I also gave it a seven. All right. So, yeah, get a chance to see Free Fire, or you know what. In the next couple of months, it's going to end up on streaming anyway. So, all right. So, um, now normally, uh, Mike and I have our own flicks of the week that we do own separately. Um, you know, uh, Mike usually just conjures up some some film that he saw <laughs> way know, back when, yeah, thirty years ago. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll talk about that one. <clears throat> Me, it's usually what I've seen in the last week. I'll pick the the best or the worst out in the litter. And go from there. Um, I was going to do Midnight Meat Train this week, but uh, that's all right. I'll save that one for next week. Um, no, you'll save it for the next podcast because both podcasts are going out this week. Well, I know. I, I, Don't say next week. Just, I, just dude, about, there's about, no fucking illusion. We're just doing a podcast. How about just not say anything and just let me continue on? Just go. <laughs> so instead, we're going to look. This is something cool that happened. We got a request from a filmmaker to watch and review his film. A local filmmaker. Yes. And 
I was, you know what? I I mean, I, I look, lately I've had a lot of shit going on, so I couldn't really appreciate something like that as much as I, I normally would have. Um, but I'm glad that you were able to handle that, and you wrote a fucking long-ass review about the movie, holy shit, right. which was great because that showed like, that I, I I like the impression that it could make on 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 a, on an up and coming filmmaker, you know, and and this guy uh, Matt Torrey, who plays the character Stephen of Stephen with a V P H. <laughs> in uh, aren't you interested to know how why I spell my name like that? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, you know, he makes this this mockumentary um, called We Make Movies, right? <clears throat> and he he requested that we we watch and review his film, and you know it's. It, you know, and the cool part also is that he was really appreciative of you writing that review and posting it and sharing it. Right. And I, I, I would love to do more of this. You know, it, it was that's really cool that someone actually took the time to acknowledge that we you know that we do this stuff. You know, Especially, yeah, we're not we we don't fuck around. When we say we're gonna do it, we do it. Yeah. Hey, if you got a movie that you want us to review, please absolutely let us know and we'll review it. Yeah. Now, just in case you know we we ever get get inundated, then it might become you know we might have to pick and choose. But at this moment, to hammer away, you know it, it's great, absolutely great, man. So um, this film, yeah, I look, I, it's hard to find information, too much information, you know, like trivia type stuff for this movie because even though it's on IMDb. Um, there's not a whole, you know, I didn't know where the filming locations were, except one I know where they filmed at. One for goddamn positive, I knew where they filmed one uh, one scene at Folsom Lake uh-huh. where during the drought, right? Where the fucking lake's almost empty. Yeah, and, Tower Theater. Yeah, and, at, at first when I was watching it, I didn't know that. I didn't know where this movie was made. And Case, uh, the is it they filmed it at the ta- the Tower Theater? Were they at the K Street Mall when they went to? And get, some of it was filmed at K Street. It looked like when they went to go get um, and it looked like some of it was filmed in Elk Grove, but South Sac. So the area. part where they went to go um, recruit Leonard, Leonard, yeah, <laughs> who's they, played by Zach Slort. Yeah, when they went to go uh, try to you know audition him for the role, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't notice that 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 might have been filmed at the K Street Mall. Um, I yeah, like I said, I did. I, I they could have filmed this shit in Maine for all I knew until I I saw them at Folsom Lake, and then all those scenes where they're outside of Folsom Lake, mm-hmm. like um, like when they're on the road and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, that's definitely Folsom Lake. You know, when you're driving through. Yeah. Um we we've we've established that they filmed yeah, that Fuck away. you. And then and so and then also uh it looks like areas of, of Granite Bay. Uh-huh. Too that, that they filmed in. Yes. So yeah, uh, which included Matt's house, um uh, um uh, not the dude, but the traveler, the the dude that that calls himself the traveler. Yeah. Uh they filmed at his apartment, uh Matt's house and backyard. And um, a couple of other places uh, that were part of the cast and crew's family house. Yeah. Houses. Yeah. And so pretty much the movie is a mockumentary about uh, Matt Torrey's character, Stephen. Right. Who uh, he's a film. He's a filmmaker. Right. He's a new up and coming filmmaker. And he wants to uh, make make this film that's full of homages to. uh, you know, like this movie's called A New Dawn. Yeah. With a D-O-N, yeah, right? D-O-N, part two. Yeah, part two, because, you know, you want you want to do like what Lucas did, right? Where yeah, you it's like Star Wars. Start in the middle and then go back, because people want to know where it came from, right? Except unless you're Patton Oswalt. Right. And <laughs> this movie, this is the funny part. If when, Normally when I watch <clears throat> low-budget independent films like this, I I lose attention normally. I I get distracted, you know, because I'm not really into it. I'm not really feeling it, right? But this this movie is so well done, especially on such an obviously low budget, that it has a charm to it. It has it has this uh, ability to make you care about the characters, regardless of how stupid they are at times. Right. Um. It. I'm I'm actually waiting to see what's going to happen in the next scene. <clears throat> this movie, to me, like look, look. I read some people, a, f- a couple other people's reviews of the movie, and some people said that it's hilarious. 
to me, hilarious is where I'm laughing really hard. Like, say, if when I'm watching 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street. Um, this movie is more just giggle laugh funny, but that's not a bad thing for me. That I agree. I disagree. Okay, that's good. But um, it to me, it's but it's consistently funny and goofy. It's but it's never like too over the top. And I would have to say that my only real negative with the movie, and this is, and this is like natural kind of thing, is the acting. The acting is obviously, you know, these are all novices. These are all amateurs at what they're doing, and that's fine. That's fine. It's, you know, that actually makes the movie feel a little more genuine in a, in, a, in a certain regard mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But yeah, other. I mean, it just seemed like you know certain characters um, at times were trying too hard. Certain actors at certain times were trying too hard. But I see. I did the same thing. I when I did my review, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it looks like these actors are trying too hard in these scenes. And then I went back and because I downloaded the kit. Yeah. And I read through the kit, and it's written in there. This is done on purpose for a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. We wanted them to overact. Yeah. In in some cases, I don't think they were overacting. I think it was it was that some of them just weren't used to doing it this way. Yeah. But Zach and all of these other guys, um, the 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 clerks guys is what I call them, because <laughs> one dude looks just like Dante. Um, all of the guys that were in the movie have done movies with Matt. Since the beginning of time, yeah, like uh, like the Goldbergs, right? Kind of and thing, yeah. and I made that reference too. Yeah, Matt Torrey is Adam F. Goldberg. Yeah, but he's a Sacramento native. He's still making these small independent movies, and he'll get there. He's really good. <clears throat> yes. Um, for this movie, I I basically equated it to Clerks meets Brain Fart. <laughs> God damn it. Spinal Tap? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Clerks means this is Spinal Tap. Wow. This is just not... Nothing is... Uh, yeah, your brain's not running at 11 today, sir. No, it's not. I, I've got <laughs> other things going on. I did, trust me, I know. So, when I saw this movie, the very first scene made me laugh. And when a fucking movie can pull me in that quickly, yeah. when I have all this shit going on, like I had the TV on, mm-hmm. I had the fucking movie going on, I had, I'm, I'm writing, I'm doing this and that and the other thing, and as I'm watching, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I was kind of paying attention to it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to press play. I have no expectations of this movie. I don't want any expectations. Yeah. I just want it to run and let me listen to it. If I have to play it again, I'll play it again. Yeah. And it opens up and you have a, is, I don't want to get his name wrong. Hopewell is his last name. Oh, you're talking about Jordan Hopewell. Donnie, Jordan. Donnie, his character's yeah, Donnie. name Donnie. So you have Donnie and Steven sitting there. Yeah. And and Jordan, my and my biggest issue is the Jordan character. He's the one that seems to be way overacted. Yeah. And, and if he had reined it in a bit, and he did in a lot of scenes. Yeah. Um, but if he had reined it in a bit at the beginning, I think his character would have been really better. Yeah. Uh, re- really better. Really good. <laughs> it can talk real good. Really bad. Really better. <laughs> um, because he's an endearing character. Yeah. Um, especially when they're doing scenes on the uncle's, you know, in the uncle's barnyard. Yeah, on the farm. You know, what you did to those cows was just wrong. You know, things like that. And yeah. What did he say? He said something along the lines of, you know, there, there are only four four places. Where the restraining order, you know, is actually in effect in this entire world, so uh, that opens up everything. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which I thought was really fucking funny. We make movies has become one of my favorites for this year. Okay, because it, because it's local, because these guys have put so much effort into doing this, mm-hmm. and it's not just that; it's the very end where he's showing his home movies, a la the Goldbergs, right? Yeah. And all of his friends are making these movies, and you see Zach, and you see, you see Curtis. Jordan and Curtis and <laughs> and all these other guys, and I'm like, you know, these these guys truly love making these films. Uh-huh. And this, this is what it's all about. That's why I enjoyed it. In fact, 
I have my review up right here. I don't know why that's like that, but whatever. Kind of cool in a way how you had all these different pictures. Yeah, I always do that. I, I put in like four, four or five pictures. <laughs> the green screen. The, the Pirates shit, of the Carabiner. That was funny. Uh, dreidel to the grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, <laughs> my favorite, which is he's talking about. It's like, oh my, uh, it was. Um, I I made this film and I really loved it. It was such a great idea. And he's got this. He's got this picture of this guy sitting by himself, and it says "youth in Asia," right? Yeah. Not not one word. It's three words. Youth in Asia. He's like, I just don't understand why it wasn't such a bigger success. <laughs> it was fucking really funny. Was that the original title for? Uh, uh, oh God damn it! What's the one uh, <laughs> You're with, with Clint Eastwood? Man, the one where he won. Hillary Swank won the Oscar. Yeah, uh, the fighter. <laughs> What's it called the fighter? It was, son of a bitch. Oh man, I. It's the one that has the euthanasia scene at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So look, <clears throat> here's, here's a little piece of my review right here. Um, when it comes to independent film, Joe and I are pretty much novices. Uh, we've seen a lot of movies and most of them are big budget pieces that lack story, character, background, and good acting. Those are professional pieces with paid Hollywood actors that have years of training and experience in front of cameras. Then you have the amateurs, the ones that are out there busting their asses every day, doing everything on their own. And without the help of anyone but themselves, their friends and family providing support. We, those of us that are critics, often forget that this is where all filmmakers start off. It's fucking hot in here, isn't it? It's got a, a, a more than room temperature warmth to it. So Abrams, Smith, Tarantino, Lucas, Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Raimi, many others all started out making movies with their little 16 millimeter cameras and whatnot. Uh, wanting to make the best film they could at the time, regardless of the lack of special effects or being able to travel to exotic locations to find the perfect shot, they went out there and did it. That's the important part right there. They went out and made a movie. When the team for We Make Movies reached out to us to review the film, we were genuinely excited. We've made it known before that we love to review up-and-coming films from any amateur filmmakers because we like to help those guys. Amateur filmmakers deserve to have their films seen by the widest audience necessary. And when those other reviewers and news sites focus on the latest from the big studios, they're doing a disservice to those filmmakers that come from such humble beginnings. And I stress that. Everybody is so interested in getting their hits and their links, backlinks and SEO and this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And then you have Cinema Blend and you have uh, fucking CBR, Comic Book Resources, and you have the hero superhero hype, you know. Yeah. And screen rant. And screen all. rant and all this other shit. And their their sites are awful because it takes too long to load. You can't find what you're looking for. It's updated and all they're doing is they're trying to get hits. Yeah. That's it. So that they can make money, so that they can continue to provide. We want to make money too. That's fine. I don't but have I don't want to ever lose the fact that I love movies. Right. I don't I don't want this. I don't want anyone to mistake that we are not in this for the money, <laughs> okay? Because we would like to make money for this with this, okay? Absolutely. That's what. That's why Joe and I started this because we love movies, but and we want to be our own damn bosses, right? But we are not those movie websites that I just mentioned. Why? Because I don't believe in doing news that is garbage. Okay. I don't believe in rehashing articles, rewriting articles, or finding trending articles or anything else like that. Yeah. That clickbait. Yeah. That's basically bullshit. Yeah. You know? Let those other guys do that. Let those other guys fucking make their little Star Wars videos and copy each other a hundred times over so that they can get their hits. Our job is to review movies just like Ebert, to enjoy the movies as much as we can, although that's getting more difficult as time goes on. <laughs> Because, let's face it, the jadeism sets in, you know, the 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 idea of enjoying a movie when it's bo- a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, this is not. We make movies is not. It's a it's a fucking local amateur film, and it's done so well that you want you want Matt to be successful. Yeah. And that's what's important. All of these guys that have put any effort into this movie, 
you want to be successful because you know that they're having fun. The awkward moments, the 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 depression. There, there were some there were some parts that just didn't work. You know, like when Matt's sitting in a tree because he's angry that fucking Dante that Garth, that Garth took his uh, yeah that Garth took his girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, it's, like it's my girlfriend. You know. Yeah. Uh, I understand where it's coming from, but that scene didn't work. Of all of the scenes, that one there's there's a hint, there's two maybe three that just editorially in you know in the process of making the movie scene wise, it, it could have either been done better or just removed outright because it wasn't needed. We understand that he's upset about it, but that doesn't take away from this movie. And getting back to everything else that we're doing. This is what we do. This is what it comes down to for us. This is the stuff that we want to do. Yes. We want to review amateur films or independent films because those are the guys that are the up-and-coming Lucases, Abrams, Spielbergs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the guys that in 20 years from now, when we're fucking ancient and decrepit... Hmm are going to be making the latest and greatest movies. You know, whether they're whether it's Deus Ex Machina or Star Wars or Free Fire or Hateful Eight, Get Out or Get Out, those are the guys that are these are these guys. Mm. Matt Torrey and these and and this generation are the ones that are going to usher in a whole new era of movie making. Oh, like a future J.J. Abrams. Yeah, or Kevin Smith. I, I relate Matt Torrey more to Kevin Smith because of the way he did this movie yeah. than anything else. He he looks like he or sounds like he's more interested in making movies that are talkies, if you yeah. want to call it that. You know, character development and moving the plot along instead of action and drama and space battles and shit like that yeah uh you know who he reminded reminded me of john favreau okay yeah that was the vibe i was getting from him through the entire film right was uh <laughs> he looks kind of like john favreau too yeah and, you know, and he like just it, like he's so pre his character's so preoccupied with his own wants and desires uh -huh. that he's not acknowledging anyone else at all. Right. And he just... Uh, Favreau played a character like that in one of his movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just... I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh, uh, well, in Swingers. He was very insecure. There you go. And he kept flir flirting with... Uh, the, like, the, he finally gets his girl's number, and he leaves, like, 14 messages on her fucking answer. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid ass. Yeah. And but just watching him. That's that's Favreau. And and the great thing about it is, is that's Matt Torrey. Yeah. Matt Torrey, and I'm not saying he's he's like the guy in Swingers, but what I'm saying is, is that started small and he worked his way up. Yeah, Favreau, Favreau. If you listen to f how Favreau got Swingers started, and he's very proud of it. Yeah, um, he wasn't sure if the movie was going to do anything, mm. and that's what most good filmmakers are like. That they don't know. Yeah, and it's the risk risk takers. Yeah, especially if it's your first or second film that you've done. Mm-hmm. You just you you borrow money and hope for the best. Yeah. If it doesn't work, start all over again. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I could totally see uh, Matt Torrey becoming a future uh, John Favreau. Yes. Or someone similar to him. I hope for the best for the guy, man. I mean, I really, really do. I want him to succeed because people like him deserve stuff like that. Yeah, and also it seems like he uh, he likes to keep it in the community. So, uh, I could totally see him being someone who's who's more down to earth. You know, and just cool, just cool to hang out with and talk. Yeah, exactly. Shoot the shit. Yeah, talk movies. Have a beer. Yeah, you know, love talking movies all day, man. So, yeah, um, much power to you, Matt Tory and uh, and and crew, and yeah, keep on keep on making them, man. Yep, you absolutely. Know? Please keep making movies. Yes, and you need to copyright the term "shalom suckas." <laughs> shalom. <laughs> or dreidel to the grave. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, the movie's definitely got some funny parts in it, and uh, and fuck you, Curtis. <laughs> Don't trust anyone named Curtis. <laughs> so, 
All right. All right. So, yeah, uh, I think that do you have anything else you want to add to this episode? No. no all right. All. So the next uh, the next film that we will, we will be talking about on Cinescape Movie Reviews is going to be How to Be a Latin Lover. How to be. How to be. Because we didn't want to see. Uh, uh, I don't know. We didn't want to see any of the shit that was out this yeah, week. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah. So anyway, we'll talk about that film. Uh, and I already gave it away. My Midnight Meat Train. Yes. And and we'll go from there, right? So, Cinescape Movie Reviews, I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. Bye-bye. Good night. Flippy. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it. My handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. Tweet me. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah. Follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on tweet. Tweeter. You can tweeter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is at what about you? MPS 5150 because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah. Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We S- prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> shower, yeah. Share, share, the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nick. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> this is the end. It's the end. Benito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.